In this podcast, I'm interviewed by Jess from How To ADHD on living with autism and it's super cool. Hope you enjoy. Let me know what you think about it in a tweet on Twitter and uh, check me out on Patreon. Peace. So I was in VidCon last year and I hung out with Jess from How To ADHD, another awesome channel, so please check that. And we did a video on basically Asperger's syndrome and talking about ADHD and stuff like that and how they kind of inter interact and living with autism. So, so without further ado, please enjoy. So let's talk about friends. Like, was it hard for you to make friends? Do you, are there certain qualifications that you look for in a friend now? So growing up, it was difficult to make friends, right? Because you're the weird kid who doesn't play outside in the playground. You don't go stay in people's houses. You never go to those social uh, events for other kids. You don't. You don't play on like the pee wee football team. You know, all my friends did all this stuff, and uh, I was just at home playing Lego the whole time. So um, it was definitely difficult to make friends because you needed to find someone who was just as bizarre as you, but in a good way. Like, um, so it was, yeah, it was difficult. But there was a dyslexic kid who was uh, called Mike who was in school with me, and he just loved Lego, and I was like, boom. And he only lived uh, like a block away from my house, so uh, we 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 were. Really Really good friends with best friends. He was like my only friend until I got to high school, really. Um, and then I had uh, I met a guy. I said it earlier. I met a guy called Jake, um, and we played music together. And so then I started playing. Um, I started playing bass guitar. And so the, what happened was I went from having like two friends from high school, uh, from primary school, and then going into high school playing music, and this opened this floodgate of creative brains. And then I could I had common ground. So until that point, I, I couldn't talk about anything. Like people said, we were thinking about football. I'd be like. <laughs> I'd like to seize up and be like, or like, what do you think about girls, right? And I'd be like, <laughs> and so um, when they were like, what do you think about bass? I'm like, dude, I got like a four string bass. Uh, I'm using a an 85 gauge right now. This is a Fender Mexican Precision, so dope. Like, so I had something to talk about. I had something that related, and that was like, to me, that was that was everything. That changed my life. Having music, right, changed my life. Honestly, like I found the same. I, I would always feel weird and not fit in until I found something where I could connect with people about something. Like when there was a focal point. So I did really well in like bands. I did really well in theater. Like places where I'm like, hey, we're into the same thing. There was always common ground. Whereas like in the rest of my life, it feels very separate. You know, it feels very like disconnected. Disconnected. Yeah. 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 And I think it's that you have this social expectation if you're in a bus stop. People are going to talk to you about, I don't know, weather or shopping or their family or something. I've had bizarre comments. I'm thinking, what are you th I don't care. Like, and it's not like I'm being rude. They're just like, I don't know this person. Like, why would I, like, you know, ask me about my personal life? It's a bit weird. But if they were like, hey, do you play bass? I'd be like, yeah. You know? So I think um, I, we're always expected to have unusual conversations with complete strangers that we have no interest in. I it's mean, funny you call that? it unusual because for most people, it's like a very typical conversation. Um, but it's small talk and I can't stand yeah, small, small talk, talk either because there's nothing stimulating or engaging about it There's nothing interesting to me about the weather unless you know unless there is something interesting about the weather like one time I got caught in a flood and They had to sail boats to back to our cabins to get our medications if we need medications like that was interesting But usually the weather is not that interesting a subject To me to yeah, me. and, it, and it's <laughs> it, it boggles my mind how like people just just feel this need to talk to other people about absolutely rubbish it's like oh, okay so do you engage in small talk if, if needed or do you kind of steer the conversation away well I t this is what I do I have a system okay so I have a system. Okay. If, I'm, if I'm with sort of like my 
sister, like Alex. So we're a VidCon. So he'll get, he'll start the conversation of, say, small talk, and I'll jump in. So be like, how about that, uh, you know, uh, avocado toast bar the other day? And everyone's like, yeah, cool. I'm like, yeah, man, I really like toast, you know? So I'll come in with, like, I'll just follow what he does. But if I'm on my own, I'm a bit like, uh, you know, like, it's difficult. Like, I'll stand there and someone will say something to me. I'm like, <laughs> because it's like, it, it, it's weird. Like, I have nothing to say. And it's odd because, like, oh my God, I wish they just didn't say anything to me because it was like, now I just look stupid, sat there, like, uh, you know, and it's difficult, right? It's difficult. People think I'm an arrogant, like, they get this a lot. People think I'm an arrogant, like, idiot, really. And, uh, and, I, and I'm not. Like, I, I love people. I love doing stuff. I love helping people. But it's because of that, that neurotypical idea of, like, you have to be in a certain way to be accepted as a cool person. And I, you know, yeah, and there are these social norms where it's like, okay, that, that small talk is meant to be kind of an uninvasive way to get to know somebody, like, and, like, break the ice in a, I don't know, in a casual way before you start talking about anything that's really meaningful to either person, um, how do you start conversations if you start conversations? Well, I only start conversations with people because I know I'm going to see that person. So I wouldn't walk up to a stranger and start talking to them, right? <laughs> so I'd be like, I'm going to see this guy and we're going to talk about buying a new uh, piece of camera equipment. So I'll go over like, yo, camera equipment. So I'm here to buy this and be like, yeah. And, but I love this thing. Um, I was touring, so I'm in a band, right? So you guess I'm doing this. I was in a, I was in a, a tour with a guy called Thomas Nicholas who's um, in a, a, the American Pie movies. He plays Kevin Myers in American Pie. And so he's a good friend of mine and he plays music. So I was playing music in his band with him for a bit. Uh, and I was playing music on tour with him. And we went to this hotel and I learned a really cool trick of small talk. Um, he went up to the, the desk and he was like, hi, my name is Thomas. And I'm staying here tonight. And then he said what he needed. I was like, huh. Well, this is amazing. So now I say like, hi, I'm Daniel. Uh, I really need to do this. So I always start every like, conversation with, hi, I'm Dan. I don't even know. I probably said it to you when I met you. I was like, hi, I'm Daniel. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you said, hi, I'm Daniel. I'm stealing your dog. Yeah. So I've got a new dog, everybody. Don't worry about it. Randall, you've been sacked. <laughs> Which, you know, thank you for you know, well, letting did, me did. know what your purpose was. Exactly. And I just... <laughs> Honestly, is my best policy, and like, uh, but that, but that, that was like the trick. Before then, like, I, I wouldn't really know how to do that, and that was in 2012. So before then, I must have been like a right idiot when I'm talking to people. It's like, I really need that jacket. It's like, what? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the social niceties. Well, what about relationships? Um, when did you start dating? I get asked this question a lot, and on my channel, a lot of people want to know more about relationships. So if anybody does want to hear more about this stuff, just leave a comment, and then I'll, because I read everyone's comments, and I'll read the comments on this video so I'll reply to you and then I'll pick up some feedback so um, I started dating when I was um, like okay well I started I had my first ever girlfriend at 15 right but I didn't really properly start dating people in the sense of dating until I was like 18 um, and that's super late so my friends were like you know getting in trouble for doing like crazy things with their girlfriends and whatever and uh, you know it's like 15 16 17 that's I mean 18 like like my first actual serious like relationship um, and I've only ever had like two or three like serious relationships right um, and uh, it's difficult so I, I, I how can I say it? like I'll find somebody who can <laughs> can stand my individualness uh, and, uh, and then and all the quirks that come with me uh, and then I'll stay them for quite a long time until like you know that, that phase of my life is done with and then but um, but luckily I found somebody who's, who's awesome and I'm with her right now so I've been with her 10 years so that's cool and she can put up with everything so it's just it's 10 difficult. years? 
Ten years, yeah. Ten years is a long time. Do you have any? Do you have any dating or relationship tips? Yeah. So I think the key to this, which isn't going to suit every single person, is that my my partner, um, she actually is. She's she's a specialist. She's got a first degree honors, uh, childhood um, studies for children with Asperger's and autism. So she, she comes from it. a field. Yeah, she comes from a field getting it at a super like early stage. So when it comes to me, she she kind of knows how I am in relation to the kids she works with every single day. So that's what she does. Profession. So I think the reason we lost is because she, at, at the time, maybe our, our relationship would have maybe broke. She was educated in this thing, and she was like became this like super nerd in it. And now she's like, oh, I get why you're doing that, you know. And she can help me a lot. And I mean, it is like a give and take thing. I have to learn stuff. Like I know a lot of people with like spectrum disorder may say like, I don't have to learn anything. That's who I am. And they're right. They are who they are. But. I, I want to like, I want to be the best person I can be, you know, so if that means like learning, for example, this is an example, so one of the biggest issues I have is being around her family, having dinner and stuff, and, and it's not like I, I don't like them, I love them, but I feel like, uh, you know, like the whole productivity of time where I like to do things and I feel like I'm getting productive time, when I'm with, uh, with the family and we're just having dinner, I feel like, okay, so I don't have anything that I relate to these people with other than the fact that I'm kind of a family member and I love them, but like, I don't know what else to talk about, and it, and it gets to the extremes, and I'll start talking about like science and like stuff, and they're just a bit like, what? And so, and I, so I started avoiding those situations, but it upset my girlfriend, right? So I then was with my therapist, my therapist was like, you've got to persevere and go through those things because you need to give a little to, to get a lot back. So that's what I do. So it's kind of like a perseverance thing. You have to, you have to try and put effort in, and it's a learning process. And I wouldn't say that I learned it overnight. It's taken me 10 years to get a good, solid, stable place. So I think that's, that's super interesting. I think that's such a great way of putting it because yeah, I think that it's great to be who you are. I think that neurodiversity is a wonderful thing. I wouldn't trade my brain for the world, but at the same time, I do live in a fairly neurotypical society and it's important for me to, to manage my impairments. And I, I think that that's just a really healthy perspective to come from is like, yes, it's okay to be you. Like, and I'm, you know, embrace that. But also like, yeah, it is a give and take, right? I think that we can maybe meet in the middle. Like I, you know, you're, you're doing your best to make eye contact with me or seem to make eye contact, I'm doing my best not to make yeah, eye contact yeah, in yeah. a way that's uncomfortable for you. And I think that that's really the best way to approach it, right? Like well, we are all trying be, to right. live together and, and have this out. happy society and yeah, be able to help each other out. Um, if everybody gives a little, it's like any relationship with anybody, you know, everybody's got different strengths and you give and you take and you compromise and you make sure that everybody's needs get met. I would really love to see a world in where we meet the needs of people, you know, like if you're neurodivergent, you meet the needs of the people who are neurotypical and, and vice versa. I think that's a really, just a really cool way of thinking about it. Definitely. And there should never be this body where like, I don't need to change or I don't need to learn because of who I am. But like, you know, there's always room for improvement with anything, right? So whatever doesn't improve declines and you don't want to decline because declining goes backwards. So. Right. But then there's no shame, right? No shame. That's awesome. So what was your first job? Huh. My first ever job was the coolest job in the world, right? I had a job being a bass player for an Elvis Presley tribute band, which is the biggest one in the UK, and I was 16 years old, and I got paid 200 pounds a day to play a, a one and a half hour gig with this band. It was amazing. I was playing in front of 12,000 people sometimes. It was insane. That's amazing. Yeah. And the cool thing is, I just got to sit in the back of the stage and nerd out with the bass. And like that, that was a perfect job. <laughs> it really was a perfect job. So what other, what other jobs have you done? 
Um, I, I was just literally having this conversation uh, outside on the patio. Um, so I, I've also done, I worked for Nerdblock, Loot Crate, My Geek Box, Pop in the Box, and My Geek Goodies, which are like monthly subscription box services for toys. I helped with um, implementing man, um, systems to help speed up their process or make them more efficient. Uh, and physical systems, like how they how they distribute their stuff, how they, their office works. And I love working on systems and patterns of making it easier and quicker. So I did that for a little bit working from home. But then I also worked remotely for fixing computers in the US, uh, actually doing Coca-Cola machines. So when you go to a vending machine that had like a touchscreen on it, the touchscreens would break. So I used to fix those remotely from a an office in the UK at night when nobody was around and the office, the lights were off, I was just sitting there, you know. And I loved it. But the other problem is it didn't work with my, my ADHD because um, my mood would, would like super dip and then I also went on antidepressants and then the antidepressants were no good. Uh, so I had to kind of come out of that. And so my doctors kind of said, well, you can't work more than like, you know, a certain amount of hours a week and then you try and find an employee who's going to hire you for like two days. And it did work a little bit when I was do doing university. I was able to kind of side hustle work in an office for like a day or two, but it's difficult. It is difficult and I know that that's common for people on the spectrum is I, I can't commit to a full-time job but at the same time like I want to be productive so what do you do? It's nuts and I'll tell you what the worst part about it before I had YouTube right when I was like between like what, what the hell am I doing with life I, I had this super meltdown so I was in an office and they were changing the office around the change in the seat of the office around and the layout and stuff, I had a massive meltdown in the office. And then I had this like, urge, like this moment where I was thinking, well, what am I going to do? I can't work in an office. I, I want to earn money. And like you said, I, I want to be productive, I want to make stuff. But like, how am I going to. I, I was oozing this like creative passion for something and I had nothing. Uh, but you, when YouTube came along and I was like, this is my thing. Like, and since then, I just like productivity through the roof. It's nuts. And because the beauty of it is, I do it for my home office. You know, I sit there and I do all these videos at home. I work with brands and I get to email them, I don't have to look at them face to face. I Skype with people so I don't even have to look in their eyes. It's dope, okay, it's everything. Do you have any, any things that you still struggle with work-wise? Or you, now that you're in like a good profession for you, are you like kind of good? I would say that I'm. it's the best profession I could probably have at the moment. The one issue is meeting with people networking in, in VidCon like we are now. The, the issue I have is that you have to meet new people, you have to try and learn, keep up with small talk, and I have to have Alex and me to kind of like, you know, assist me with that. And then you've got to shake these hands, then you've got to try and make as much eye contact as possible so they don't feel like you're being rude, because if it's the first time they're meeting you, I want them to have a really good impression that I'm like this really fun guy. But I do tell them that I have Asperger's syndrome, so uh, the biggest thing is meeting with brands and for them to understand that you have neurodiverse issues. Like, that, that that's the biggest challenge, is, is working with people who understand that, which is what my channel is all about, which is crazy. Yeah, that seems weird. It seems like if you meet with a brand, they would naturally understand that, no? Well, some brands kind of reach out. They, like, um, like, uh, like inbound stuff is they've just come across your videos and seen your subscriber count, and they just want like um, a blanket sheet of somebody to look at their product, right? Which is, I get it. I mean, that's fine. Um, and but the outbound ones, where I go um, uh, approaching brands to say, hey, we should totally work together. That's a bit different. They kind of understand then. Um, but sometimes I get. Not only the companies who offer me to do kind of like uh, talks or speeches or go somewhere to do a bit of educational stuff, they're totally understanding and that's the reason they're asking me to go there. So it's just like, it's literally just like the small brands of like gadgets and gizmos. They don't understand the condition mainly and everybody else is pretty cool. Like. Okay, I have 
two more questions about work. So our question is still about work, but do you have any organizational issues? Because that's a huge challenge for me, like keeping up with all the inboxes and making sure that I don't nothing falls through the cracks is so hard for me. Okay, so my girlfriend is basically like my organization keeper. She helps me organize my calendars. We have three calendars in the house. I have a calendar in my office, a calendar in the living room, and I have a calendar on my phone, iCal, and they all sync together perfectly. She reminds me and prompts me to make sure that everything that's on my calendar has an alert on it so that I remember to do it. The the problem with the rest of the stuff is that, like you said, it's messy, it's all over the place, it's unorganized, but I have a lot of to-do lists, and I have I use something called Wonder List, uh, and I also use um, the notes on the iPhone because it syncs to my MacBook, and so as long as I have everything written down in a list format, I, I can go through it in like a linear timeline. Um, but it is, it's very, very difficult. But my, my advice would be use apps. Use Siri on your phone. Use uh, the iCalendar because you can invite people into it. You can share the event with people. You can have you can even attach bits to it. Like I attached maps for like the meetings I was going to in VidCon. Um, and you can put a location in it. It has everything you need. So I think that's like that's my best advice is using apps. I did a video on this actually uh, about how I run my life on apps. And, uh, It'll be somewhere. up here? How do you know when to turn it off? Like. Do you ever do you ever have trouble stopping work? All the time. I never stop. I mean, like, uh, it, it's the most frustrating thing, but the most rewarding thing at the end of the day. I get to work all the time at things that I love doing and I'm passionate about. And there's nothing more rewarding than working for something you're passionate about. I love it. But the downside is you crash. People ask biggest syndrome have a have a there's there's a point where it gets ooh, and then everything just crashes instantly, and it feels like death. Like, I, I, I haven't had one, I haven't had a crash for a few months, so I'm okay. But a few months ago I had a crash, I did a video on it, because I didn't know what to do, and I was supposed to have a video that day, and I was like, I can do, so I just completely honest. So I went out and I, I, I tried to go for my morning run, which I always try and do, and I, my feet couldn't carry me, it just stopped, and then I had no motivation, I just got on the couch and curled up in a ball, and I just sat there, no TV, no nothing, and just felt utter despair. And it was the result of the fact that I'd been doing loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of stuff, and when I cleared everything and had nothing else lined up, I crashed, completely crashed. And so now I have to spread my workout on the things that I do and the events, everything. so I have something to kind of always do. I know that sounds weird, but that's the only way to stop myself from crashing. And I know you might sound like well, you're gonna just completely burn out, but I'd burn out if I knew there was like an indefinite, okay, everything's done now and tomorrow I've got nothing. It's like, uh-oh. I understand that depression, that actually happens a lot. I mean, you know, most people understand that, like after you have, uh, I don't know, a wedding or whatever, like you've been spending a year planning and then all of a sudden like there's nothing to do, you do fall into a little bit of a depression and if, of course, you've burnt yourself out, you're exhausted too, so that completely makes sense. It's because you like engage emotionally because you're passionate about it. Yeah. And then when, you, when you've got no engagement emotionally, especially people ask me I'm thinking, uh-oh, and then you've got this, this burst of energy and stuff and you've got nowhere to direct it. You're like, <gasps> so I, I found that like when I have this issue, I, I try and just make videos or I try and make music or or I try and think of something like awesome I could make. Like I don't know. I just I, just I find that helpful too. It, it's kind of like monkey bars. You, mm. you want to know that there's another monkey bar in front of you to, to right, grab right, onto. Right, right, right. Um, and I know Edward. Edward's talked about this too. Like he has a hard time finishing a project if he doesn't have something else lined up. So that, that's interesting. Yeah. No. And it's super funny. And the amount of people speak to have the same issue, like especially with like on the spectrum. It's like it's awesome. At least it's relatable. At the end of the day, at least I wasn't. I'm not just a total freak. <laughs> 
No, no, not at all. But I, you know what? I want to comment on that for a second because the fact that either of us have internalized the idea that we're weird or a freak in some way when it's actually completely typical for what we struggle with for our conditions, it's interesting that we still um, can sometimes use that language. Yeah, I, I'm so used to it, you see. And I always get told off. There's a woman I know who's got a son who's got Asperger's syndrome and she always says, you stop saying that you're weird. And I'm like, sorry. And she says, stop apologizing. I'm like, ah. Yeah, but you internalize it. I get it. I know, I know. On the way to get diagnosed, Edward was like, what if I'm just lazy? <laughs> but, you know, you internalize these things. I, I did. When I was having my assessment, I was like, sweating, dripping off of me, and all these weirdos asking me questions. I was like, oh my God, like, I want to go home. Like, which is horrible. Like, these people d diving into your life, I, it's the worst. Like, cause, and, and the reason why, this is interesting, when I meet specialists with autism, I freeze, I freeze up, I don't know what to do, because they know more about who I am than I do in terms of like how I am classed medically or clinically. It's nothing nuts. That's a nuts feeling. Like I was like, <gasps> like oh. I didn't even think about that. How old were you when you were diagnosed? So I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome specifically when I was 26, <laughs> which is like what? Yeah, yeah. But I, I obviously I had a serious diagnosis for like dyslexia, like OCD, and like uh, depression, anxiety, agoraphobia, like all, you know, all these things, like over shyness, like. I don't know, um, personality disorder maybe as well, uh, for, for years and years and years. And it got to that point where they were like, oh, this is, this is Asperger's syndrome. I was like, oh. <laughs> so my, and then I went for a proper, I went to a specialist in ASD, and they were like, oh, you've Asperger's syndrome and ADHD. It's like, what? <laughs> and Asperger's syndrome is technically an outdated term, but you still identify as having Asperger's syndrome because that's how you were diagnosed? Yeah, I mean, like, I, there was a diagnosis term I had. Um, and I don't feel like there's anything wrong with saying Asperger's syndrome. I feel like I'm proud to say I have Asperger's syndrome, but you know, it's, it's, it's their own. I think it's a personal choice as well, and I, I won't judge anybody for using a different term. I have one, one last really important question. What do you do for downtime? What do you do to relax? I mean, like, I find relaxing super difficult because, like, I always want to be doing something. So, um, my, my therapist and my girlfriend were like, what do, you, what do you enjoy? What do you do when you're not wanting to work? And I'm like, uh, I like two things, right? I love learning about like crazy stuff. Maybe watching a documentary on the Civil War. Could be watching a documentary on the prohibition of alcohol in America. And like, this kind of stuff really gets me going because I just love learning about it. But then, the other thing I do, is maybe I'll watch a video teaching me how to code on a website. Or maybe a video teaching me how to uh, make a certain type of computer or something that I can find that's educational. Because to me, my downtime is learning stuff. So I, I love to learn. So. I relax by learning stuff. I, it might sound really weird to people, but um, I mean, recently I like I like learning about science as well. So, because after my degree, I was like, oh, now I'm not learning anything. So I, I still watch videos on chemistry, which is really sad, but I love it. I get it. I, I mean, I do the same thing. I'm learning, and to me, to me, relaxing is learning something that I don't have to learn. Like nobody's yeah. telling me you have to study this for a test or whatever. Like I just fall down the Wikipedia hole or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's relaxing for me too. Because that's like the thing. It's like a it's, a, it's nobody's forcing you to do it, so you, you're gonna enjoy what you're learning because it's just something fun at the end of the day. But do you ever feel like you need to recharge, like you need a like you need a break from input? I mean, yes, through sensory input, but never through like data and like um, 
I might like learning. I don't know. I, I always feel like my brain has to has to learn things to just keep it at like a stable level. Like a you know a, before it hits like critical mass or if it drops below depression, it has to stay at this level. And topping it up with with educational content is how I do that. It's like really weird. I, I can't explain why. But so you wouldn't enjoy like a walk in a peaceful garden? Well, I do, but short lived. So like I like I'll maybe. I don't know. I don't like going for huge, huge hikes. So my, my, this is my girlfriend and her family. We love going for huge hikes. We go on a hike after about 45 minutes after me done, right? <laughs> I have to be doing something super productive, horrible. And I love, and I love to like, I love going running. I love um, like meditation and things like that. But the problem with it is that I have to do it controlled times. Like, so I run, I do like two and a half miles, and it's got to be done within like 25 to 30 minutes. And then I'll like meditate for a little bit. But then I, I, the rest of it has to be productive. I don't know why. It's like this weird thirst. Like, <laughs> How amazing is it that he's like going for a run and meditating is not productive enough for me? No. <laughs> You're a machine. No. Oh my god. No, goodness. I just feel like those, th those, like those things to me are like life routines. So I just do those yeah. things every day. And that's it. That's done. And then on to the good stuff. <laughs> is, like, it, is it about progress? Because for me it is. It's about, it's about progress. I need to feel like I'm, a, like I'm moving forward. Somehow. Yes, yes, absolutely. I have this like thing where like you'll never reach a state of perfect, but you always have to always strive. For it because you, if you don't, like I say, if you don't like increase, you'll just decline, and decline is, is not a good thing. You know, you'll just because when people get too complacent, when people get complacent, they start to decline, and decline is no good.